Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Jessie Too. And I'm Helen Stanbeck. And you're listening to Asian Bitches Down Under. two Taiwanese Australian sisters, first generation immigrants, and on this podcast, we talk about race, gender, sexuality, and representation from a uniquely feminist blend of Western and Eastern intersectional lens. Hey guys, uh, Helen, how's it going over there in the central coast of Sydney? Uh, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, uh, the weather's been a bit wet the last two days, but uh, apart from the leeches in the yard for the dogs, um, everything's not too bad. Uh, the kids are going gone back to school from home, mm. which is funny. Uh, today, so they have another two, I think, two and a half weeks homeschool, and then the um, I think the uh, school is planning to have them back one day a week, which is. Frustrating. Weird. Yeah, it's very weird. I mean, as you've been a teacher before, it will be exhausting yeah. just trying to figure yeah. out how to manage. Oh, I know all the logistics. Yeah. yeah. So. I know. I I have a couple of um, high school teacher friends, and last all of last term, they spent a lot of time just preparing for online lessons, and then to be told now that they're going back. It's almost like all that extra work they had put into all that is now kind of, I don't know. It just, I, I have a lot of things to say, I guess, about how the government is treating, you know, teachers and the whole system is a bit of a mess. But but anyway, I, I've been good. I've just been heads down uh, working a lot on a next book and uh, writing a couple of pieces and kind of being conflicted by this new show I'm watching called Normal People, which is based on Sally Rooney's explosive novel. <laughs> Have you heard of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of it. I was going to order that book. Oh, don't. Like last I've got week. It. Oh, you've got it. Okay, fantastic. I'll just get it from you when <laughs> the restriction yeah. lifts up. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Anyway, um, but uh, before we get into this week's topic, let's. Uh, I just wanted to shout out to our visual designer who made our beautiful logo for Asian Bitches Down Under. Her name is Tessa Chong and she's an extraordinary visual designer and artist slash just cool, overall cool person. She's on Instagram at Tessa Chong, T-E-S-S-A-C-H-O-N-G. Um, thanks, Tessa. You're an amazing human being. Um, yeah, so Helen, do you want to tell us what we're talking about this week? Okay, so this week we are looking at the um, book slash movie. Uh, it's called Kim Jong-yong. Uh, born 1982, so it's a novel that's written by a former scriptwriter of uh, in Korea. Her name's Chon Nanju. Uh, apology if I can't. Apologize if I can't pronounce the Korean properly. And so she, it took her two months to complete the story. So according to her, the mm. protagonist and uh, Kim Jong Yong. Her, night, her life isn't much different to the ones a lot of Korean women have lived. Mm. And you have you read the book yet? Or I think? have read extensive extracts of it. Um, uh, I've been in conversation um, over over emails with a lot of um, Korean translators. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, in regards to this book, but I've yeah, seen the movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I saw it a few months ago yeah. when it came out. Yeah. Limited release here in me. Sydney. Yeah, I only seen it. I only seen it yesterday. Um, yeah, yeah uh, but okay. this this book is is um has been it was published in uh, October of 2016 before the whole Me Too eruption, uh, and it was published by a small Korean publishing house, um, and 
it was explosive. Like um, it sold more than a million copies. Um, so literally one for every 50 people in South Korea. And uh, like... That's a lot, isn't it? It's crazy. It, like publishing. Exactly. Yeah. Especially a book about an ordinary story um, written by a woman about a very ordinary wife um, living, like you said, an extremely um, common story of what it's like to be in a, a woman in South Korea in today's modern society. And I think... And possibly a lot of uh, places around Asia and maybe in Western countries as well. Definitely, yeah. definitely. But um, this this book is... A lot of reviews have said that it's like uninteresting, it's meddling, it's... I'm sorry, not meddling, middling. Um, it's claustrophobic and the writing on the line is very simple and sort of like artless. Um, there's nothing extraordinary or creatively um, ambitious about the writing. It's just a story about um, a very aggrieved um, woman who experiences everyday misogyny. And I think the reason why it did so well um, is the fact that so many women could related to what the what the character experienced. Yeah, definitely. Do you think those reviews or critics... Yeah, we'll talk about the movie mm. critics later as well. Do you think those critics are coming from mostly male? Oh, you mean you mean about the writing on the line being very simple? Yeah, and no, no, that's been the general general consensus that it is just very plain language. Okay, but that that's part of the appeal. Okay, okay, but it's simple that, to understand. That's part of the appeal. Okay, yeah. uh-huh. that it's accessible. Okay, I think because accessible is very important for literature because it's trying to it's trying to convey something. And yeah. if it's making it too complex, yeah, it will be hard to. I think that's one of the reasons that it's it's so you know above so a million copies, copies. yeah, because yeah. it's approachable, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There, it's kind of like there's no hierarchy, there's no snobbery around her writing. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. she she was trying to convey her experience. That's right. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, so I actually resist watching this film when you mentioned it last year. Um, because somehow I know the story. I kind of know the storyline when I watch the trailer. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. It's in reality. Like, why do I want to watch my own life? You know, you know, something that you relate to me because being a mom and a wife and sometimes you, I, I wouldn't say depressed, but I haven't experienced through, um, severely compared to, um, Ju Yon in the movie, but I do feel like. Okay, um, if something I experience in my life, I don't want to, like, I feel uncomfortable to watch it. Like, I know that my emotion will just pour out and it'll be very hard to recover. Um, I'm saying this because I know there's another movie um, called Tully. Um, it's uh, it's a movie Charlie with uh, Charlie Saron, you know, yeah. Um, I think it's a movie similar to around, you know, the mental health issue for woman who's a wife and a mother yeah so what um one thing that i was uh intrigued by with this um the movie and the slash book um you do question that sometimes you know you see how glamorous korea is such a progressive nation you know both economically and Uh, technologically well on the on the and how they treat women is yeah, and how, how they treat women is, after watching the movie, is just shocking. Yeah. Mm. Um, so what do you think, um, how, how do you feel? What, what do you, have you got any specific feelings when you were watching this, the movie and any um, particular scene that really, um, Well, how do you say it? I how, think the reason why this movie has struck such a extremely... Um, visceral chord with so many women is because that it just it's a very simple depiction of a very seemingly ordinary woman's life in Korea and the pervasiveness of that and anytime like we mentioned in the last couple of episodes anytime a woman's story is portrayed or reflected uh, conveyed back to her it's really powerful no matter how it's done you know so this woman has been able to put forth a very um ordinary story about what she has gone through and the blatant sexism 
that she experiences every day. Um, and when I, when I consumed this parts of this book and also the movie, I guess like for me, it was very powerful because what we see here in Australia is a very, um, kind of very narrow perspective of what South Korea is like, like you mentioned before, it's seemingly the optics of it is that it's technologically extremely advanced. It's, you know, the way that in recent COVID-19, um, the, the way that they're doing, yeah, the way they've handled bad. it, yeah, it seems how they manage. to be from Western countries that, um, South Korea is a very progressive country, but whenever I hear that, I just think, well, are you really looking into the everyday lives of women and what they're experiencing? Like, I always question when people say, like, in Taiwan, you know, a lot of people think Taiwan is very uh, progressive and because it has, you know, extremely, compared to other neighbouring countries, extremely liberal and progressive um, politics around sexual, um, around, you know, um, gay rights, you know, and all that. Um, but the reality of... Uh, Taiwan for a lot of people outside of Taipei is it's it's not like that at all you know and it's the same with um South Korea and a few months ago I was very interested in I was midway through research through a um a, a long form article which I have at the moment had to put to the side but I was interested in exploring the Molka um situation in uh, South Korea which is basically um it's 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 basically revenge porn and footage from spy cameras that is kind of ridiculously prevalent ah, in South okay. Korea. So to be a woman in South Korea sounds extraordinarily like you're being surveilled because basically in South Korea, porn is illegal. And so um, it's often... The mis mystery yeah, often, around it. You know, exchanged through underground networks um, and consumed by a lot of, you know, illicit porn sites um, and people who go on illicit porn sites um, illegally, you know. And so what happens is a lot of... Uh, and South Korea ha have these... Um, this crazy um, phenomena of cameras being installed in public places. Um, and the cameras are tiny. And oh, so they're, okay. you can literally buy them online. They're often hidden in, like really really um mundane everyday things um ubiquitous objects like car keychains or like tiny holes inside a pencil or there are a lot of little cameras um that are hidden in public toilets and you know uh, and this has like extraordinarily damaging consequences so just to give you a really quick example um a few last year, there was a woman who was working at a hospital, and it was found that a fellow doctor had installed a camera illegally inside a bathroom, and she had been captured without obviously without her cons her consent. And when this woman found out that she had images and footage of her in compromised position, you know, when while she was exposed without her consent, um, this footage was broadcasted online on some illegal site, um, she took her own life. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, okay. it's just... So, it's the shame that she's feeling and, um, oh, my goodness, I don't even know how to say, I know. say about this. Just... It, I, 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 she will feel like the, it's her own fault, which is terribly, terribly sad. Um. Yeah, I, I, with what you're saying about the sky, spy camera yeah, like in the movie, that. that I feel extremely... I, I don't even know how to describe my emotion about, you know, this situation. You know how they um, there's a scene when they um, found out that the workplace toilet has been installed with has spy cam. Yeah, yeah illegal. Like you said, it's tiny. It was like a, in a screw or something, you yeah, know. Yeah in the door you know hinge or something mm. yeah so they find out and they report it and apparently nothing much had done about it and then later in her life when she had her own child and she was um 
using the public toilet at the station. She struggled to handle her baby while using the toilet, and then she suddenly stopped. That that moment really saddened me a lot because, like, she had to stop and look for, you know, she she just re- remember that there might be a spy camera. Even if you're a mom already, you know, you it's it doesn't go away, you yeah. know that kind of traumatizes you. Like, oh my yeah. god, I've been. I watched might have been the whole time. watched the whole time. Yeah. So before we go into this you know, on a deeper level, can we just backtrack and tell, can you just tell our listeners um, a rough plot of the book? Oh, okay. Um, so where so, does the story start? Okay, so the story starts in um, just probably everyday life of a Korean couple with a young child. They fit... Um, I will have a pretty clear memory because I just watched yesterday. Um, normal Korean couples, they're going to visit her in-laws um, with, I'm, I'm guessing it's one of those big festival holidays where you have multiple days off. And then... Wasn't it um, like the New Year or something? I think it's a New Year. Yeah, it was a new big year event. Or, you know, there's a mid-autumn festival. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. supposedly very big in Korea and this, as well. And this couple is around, what, early 30s, late 20s? Early, I'll say uh, mid-30s. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. according to the, you know, uh, 1982 okay. Kim Jong-un. So she's a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, Mid-30s uh, with a young toddler daughter visiting the in-laws. And um it seems very, like, it's a very traditional thing, as in, you know, when the couple goes to the husband's family, she does all the work, she helps out, and the husband... Uh, this movie actually portrays a better version of the book, uh, of the husband in, in the book, I think, which some people had criticised, saying that, oh, why is making... Why is the... um fu- Why has the filmmaker made this man so soft? You know, he's always caring about his wife and things like that. Whereas in the anyway, book, he actually doesn't? Um, is that what I think saying? Uh, whereas in the book or in the reality, oh, whereas right, in okay. reality, a yeah. lot of men, Korean men have um, criticised that, oh, men shouldn't be behaving like that. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Anyway... Um, so there's a there's a there's a scene where she uh, has expressed that she's tired, you know, on, on her body language, but obviously um, her mother-in-law probably insisted her of her doing chores, you know, cook, clean, cook and clean. So it's a very um, bad cycle for um, I'll say the the wife when you're going over to visit your in-laws, that you've just been expected to do everything. And she had, when you uh, hear, it's very, I, I feel like I'm not very related to the situation, but I've known that a lot of uh, people that I know who's married into, say, like Asian families, they say that they've been expected by their in-laws of doing things like this. When... Um, mm like big festivals happening yeah or a family gathering actually Um, yeah there's a whole lineage of history about ways to behave as a wife as a good daughter-in-law yeah yeah and then um something triggered um i think it happened in the first 10 minutes that we know something's not right Uh, i I found that was uh, very well set out um so the Kim Jong-un suddenly stopped what she was doing in the kitchen and then she turned around to the full lounge of her in-law's family uh, saying that to her mother-in-law saying uh, in a tone of voice that doesn't sound right to everyone because in Korea there's a um, hierarchy linguistically that you have to speak to someone who's older than you in a more polite form. Uh, in this sense, she she expressed her tone of voice in a bit more, um, I don't know. She was talking to her mother-in-law, but in a way that uh, she treated, she spoke to her like in the same level rather than yeah. in a, um mm-hmm. elderly person. Showing reverence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, her, I think I vaguely remember her line was saying that, oh, um, uh how how do you what do you call like a mother in law? Like 
as as in the position of your own mom. You know, I I think she said that. Oh, I want to see my, I want to see my daughter sometimes as well, and I I don't want my daughter to work so hard. So, if for some people who understand um, uh, mental illness, uh, you would probably pick up that she was. It's a bit like a multiple personal disorder. Do you think? What do you mean? Like she was expressing her thoughts, but in the position of her mother, in Kim Jong Un's mother. Do you remember、mm. that how she、mm. spoke in her mother's tone,、yeah. and there's a conflict of personal、um, stubbornness that she didn't know whether or not. Like I think subconsciously she wants to escape that place. I think that's what yeah the movie does really well, like. She she essentially becomes very depressed by the the decades of oppression she has and repression she has felt as a woman, and the movie really depicts that really well.、Um, and we see her kind of lashing out of so called she doesn't really literally lash out, but she expresses her anger、um, in in a way that doesn't hide what she's really feeling, and you know. In South Korea, as in a lot of Asian countries, to be a respected woman is to really repress all your emotions. And so we see this scene in the first ten minutes of her kind of just like、um, un- unleashing what she really truly feels inside.、Mm, yeah, and and you know the whole family kind of like asking, yeah, I mean she's a woman who's what are you saying? And then the husband pulled、yeah. away. She's a woman who's being pushed to the brink, and her anger starts to appear like madness to other people because they're not used to women behaving that way. Yeah, yeah. So the movie jumps back and forth between you know the her adulthood and then jumps back to her childhood and sometimes in her time in her student life.、Um, There was a scene、uh, right after. Right, there's a scene that I can follow up.、Uh, I found was really funny. Is that、um, it shows that when she was about ten, and her older sister was、uh, probably eleven or twelve, and they're in their new house and in their new room, and looking at this、um, massive well map. And the sister's saying that, "Oh, let's put stickers on the map、uh, where we want to travel in when we grow up." And the older sister pick up the sticker and she said, "I I don't know why I remember this so clearly." She said that Switzerland, Finland, and some Scandinavian countries. And then、uh, Kim Kim Ji Yeon, she said that, "Oh, I want." She put a sticker on America, and she asked her older sister, "Oh, why do you pick the places that we're not familiar with?" And her older sister said, "Oh, because there's no Koreans there." I found that really I funny. I remember that scene.、Um, mm. And also,、uh, it's a very it's very early on. Anyway,、um, I wonder why she said that. What do you think? Because she's trying to like the older sisters already know that how constrained that her life will be ahead of her living in Korea.、Yeah. Is that why? I think why? so. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I mean,、yeah. a lot of people immigrate because they want to escape the culture of their birth country, and they flee, and you know. And then afterward,、um, say that、uh, Kim Ji Yeon she had expressed her loneliness and、oh, emptiness. Yes. Sorry, can I just say? Let's just refer to her as Ji Young. Okay, Ji Young. Okay. Yeah. So、mm-hmm. Ji Young, that she expressed the loneliness and emptiness after dark. So the husband kind of picked up. Okay, there's some problem here. You know, I I might have to look into. Solutions. That's what men usually do. You know, when they have a problem, they don't, they don't listen to it. They just jump right into thinking what they can solve. Um, do you want to talk? Would you? Let's talk about the um, where they have uh the conversation at the workplace. Do you remember、mm. the part that、uh, Ji Young was not picked uh for a certain camping project? And the, her colleague said that, "Oh, did you notice that it's only the male staff got picked up, picked for the、yeah. project?" 
Yeah. Well, we see Ji Yong in her workplace as well. Um, this is before she had her baby. Mm-hmm. And then oh, throughout the years, she notices that um, a lot of women are being overlooked um, mm-hmm. for promotions and the women in the office start to talk and they suspect it's because and then they end up finding out because the boss is quite blatant and unapologetic about admitting the fact that um he says something like um or she said i think it was a female boss she said that um well you ladies are going to eventually drop out and have kids so why would i promote you there you would i would be disrupting the the company's trajectory um, so the, yeah, her boss, uh, let's just call, I, I know the surname's Kim as well. Uh, manager Kim, uh, she had a confrontation with her superior in a meeting, which I sound, it, it sounds a bit funny. Um, it was, uh, one of the superiors asking her that, oh, Oh, so you have kids as well. I think it was a campaign for vitamins or something. And so the, her, uh, the manager's uh, boss was asking her, uh, who looks after your kids? You know, like if you don't, and she said, that, oh, my mom looks after my kid. And then her, the boss was questioning her, you know, mother's duty mm. inside saying that, mm. oh, cause, so you're here and you're not looking after your kids. Mm. Um, mm. Perhaps we can use something like a similar slogan for it. You know, these vitamins are good for working mums who doesn't look after their kids enough. You know, and um, you know, there's little. uh, It's a very direct attack for mums. Like, what? What the hell can I do? It's like I work, okay, and then you're calling me out of not looking after my kids enough. And if I become a full time mother. People are saying that I'm not earning money. Yeah, so they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're caught in between this. It's just, yeah. Well, being a woman is just 1,000 different iterations of wrongness. That's what I think. Like, no matter what you do as a woman, you will always be infinitely, like, infinitely, there will always be infinite ways people will find a way to criticize you, no matter what you do. And I feel like. This onslaught of criticism is a very, like, elaborate way in which, you know, the world has managed to kind of, it's a backlash against all the very um, impressive, progressive ways we've moved towards intersectional feminism. And it's, it's really, yeah... It's really startling, especially in South Korea, where all these things of like the iterations of wrongness I just mentioned are really not hidden. Like they're very obviously on the surface of things. So it's yeah, very, very hard to out be a woman. in the public. Yeah. 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 Um, I I found the the workplace thing just it's not so much troubling, but um hard to believe that it still exists. <laughs> Maybe it's because that we've been living in Australia for so long. Something like that would not, would not really happen. As in that, that direct. Yeah, yeah, no. exactly. I think that's what a lot of people are blind to and what we want to bring out by talking about it. The fact that there are so many quote-unquote progressive countries in Southeast Asia that are still extremely oppressive for women. And it just frustrates me that so many people are not aware about it because it's just easier to think that, oh, progress is being made in Asia, you know? No, it's so far from it. And it's often this, like, top layer of change that is the slowest to move and the the part that most people are reluctant to change. It's cultural, and culture is the hardest thing to change, right? Yeah, Like, it's it takes centuries. Centuries, yeah. Yeah. See how how most Asian, uh, at least North Asian countries, are built on Confucianism, and you're expected, Confucius, yeah, con- yeah. Exactly. and um, do you mind if I quote <laughs> this really annoying um, uh, sentence that it, it just uh, it, it says that um, there's a common within the Confucius idea. Uh, it says that. Uh, something along say mentioning woman that 
无才便是德 ，as in commenting that 呃、uh, ，women shouldn't have 呃、uh, talents. It's a virtue. It's like if you don't have talent, it's good for you as a woman. As in, you're supposed to be yeah, talentless. Yeah, so you're supposed to be obeying who, whichever male、um, family members that you're with, and you know you should be working. Even if you're earning money, you're investing on your fam male family members rather than on yourself. You know, it it happened. It showed in the film as well. Whereas Jiyun's mother had worked so hard to support her own brothers to go to to continue their studies, and then she stopped on her dreaming dream of becoming a teacher.、Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The brother gets his own room. He eats better food and he wears finer clothes.、Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, better clothes than his sister. And、yeah. there was one scene in the film. I think there were two scenes that I、uh, totally lost it, like I really lost it. Like you know how I I I lose things like in a drop of a hat, but、um, I went to see this movie alone、um, at a cinema outside. Well, it's kind of far away from where I live, but it was like a nine thirty p.m. session, and it was literally the last session showing. Um, yeah, the movie was the last session showing in in Australia in Sydney. So I raced to it after seeing another movie with another friend, with a friend, and then I just wanted. I knew that I wanted to see this film alone, because I just sometimes I it's just important for me to cons to to receive a film by myself. Yeah, like I, I feel like yeah, like when I'm with someone, it doesn't distract me from the film, but it does affect how I receive it. You know how I engage with the film. So anyway, it was important for me to see this film alone. And when I did, I was in a massive like it was at Ride, Ride Cinema. It was massive,、um, and I sat at the back, and there were I think two people, two other people with me in front of me, a couple of rows ahead. But、um, I was glad I was alone because this first scene that I found myself sobbing was one of the flashback scenes in the film where we see our main character,、um, Ji Yong.、Uh, she's about. Fourteen or fifteen, she's riding her, her. She's riding on the bus on her way home. It's oh, dark. Oh my god! Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I think、There、all is... women, regardless Korean or not or Asian, will have will will just feel related to that. Yeah, we'll have experienced、yeah. this. So she um is it's it's a very packed bus. It's dark, like I said, and she notices a fellow school mate. No, it's not a mate. Just a, a boy. Someone, another male student.、Uniform. Yeah, yeah.、Um, standing very close to her,、mm. and、um, and she is standing、um, facing a woman who is seated on on the on the seats, and the woman is around like middle age, and then、um, Ji Yong makes a kind of signal to this woman, like、um, she needs to borrow a phone. Yeah, yeah. With her fingers, fingers she extends、yeah. her. Pinky and her thumb to indicate that she's like she needs help, and、um, her expression on her face, like even now when I'm talking about it, I get kind of like chills think, thinking about that scene. Fear and, that she's expressing. Yeah. Oh, the fear exactly. Um, and then so she rushes. Um. She rushes. Does she get? Does she, the yeah? I think the woman. Her the phone, the mobile phone. The phone, yep. And she texts her dad. Texts her dad, like come pick me up from yeah. this stop immediately. Yeah. yeah. And then、um, she gets off the stop, the next stop, and then this is so terrifying. We see her get off the bus, and then the boy follows her. Yep, gets off the bus as well, and then. <laughs> and then.、Um... The boy called her, and she was just standing there, like froze. And this moment, that <laughs> we had to cut this video out. Shit! <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> we're both getting emotional talking about it.、Uh, okay. okay, so the woman, the the woman who landed her、uh, the mobile phone on the bus, um, actually jumped off the she jumped off the, yep. of the bus and calling Ju、uh, Yong saying that Hey, Miss, you forgot something. You know, so the boy, yeah. So she、yep. intervened. She rescued her, 
and yeah, the boy basically. saw someone coming. Of course, he just walked away. You know, he's yeah, he walks to, away. Yeah, yeah, because yes, yeah, fucking coward man. <laughs> anyway, yeah. and then um, she and then just the father comes. She bent down and she started yeah. crying off. And then crying, the woman's yeah. the woman's comforting her, and the dad saw her and quickly come in and saying, "Oh, what's happened?" and things like that. But the next couple of minutes, what fury, what really made me angry was a comment that the dad made. Like he was saying that, oh, see what happens. You go, you go so far to that tutoring center. Why do you have to travel so far for a tutoring center? And he start blaming her of, oh, why do you smile, smile to other people? She goes, no, I don't smile to other people. And he's he's commenting on, blaming on her, like, oh, it's because you're wearing. Look at your skirt. It's because it's too short. You know. Yeah. It's like it's everything is so fucking annoying that you just have to blame on the woman or the girl. Yeah. You know, she's not even a yeah. woman. And yeah. we've been taught when we're growing up, it's like, yeah, don't do this. You know, don't walk in the dark and always go in, you know, stay at the crowded areas. Uh, mm. Don't go home by yourself or, um, you know, don't just don't do anything, but it's not our fault. <laughs> It's not fucking yeah. our fault, you know. It's I yeah. understand. It's yeah. <laughs> this fucking society. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think um, yeah. The the other the other scene that really tore me apart was um, when towards I think the middle of the movie the the mother breaks down when um so the father comes home and he has this sort of box of um, herbal vitamins supplements yeah. yeah herbal vitamins for the sun and it yeah. was just for the sun yeah and then her mother she came loses out it yeah and, yeah she lo- lost it and she like started weeping like horrifyingly weeping on the floor saying like what about your daughter doesn't yeah. she deserve the same thing yeah that was that was super fucking yeah. emotional Jesus. i think um Jiyeon's mum has always been trying to break the cycle. Like it seems like her mum was doing the right thing, as in um, investing her going to continue to on study. She never stopped her of asking her to go on to study, and she supported her to apply. You know her job. Uh, when even when the dad's um saying that nah, you're not gonna get it. You know you're just going marry off. You don't need to get such a prestigious job. You know. You're a woman, and the mum kind of combated on that. So the mother want to break the cycle, but unfortunately, when you have the whole society just been ingrained to put male always first, it was really hard. Like the power is very limited. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, a pro- that was that was a really hard thing for me to go through it. It's um, you can see how much the mum loves her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very warming. Their relationship is heart. It's very heartfelt to see. Like it's, I guess. South Korea is such a strange place. Like, the stuff I've read about it, in particular, in regards to. Like no, there's, there's, there's really no proper way of being. Like when you said what the father commenting about the daughter sort of like asking her whether or not she had you know um casually flirted with anyone sort of in suggesting that she had invited harassment i just think about when i hear that i think about you know um plastic surgery in south korea is such a huge industry um, for women Mm. oh it's crazy and something stupid like one 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 in three girls by the age of 18 have had some form of surgery done on their face yeah maybe i'm exaggerating but Mm -hmm. it's it's something crazy like i've heard it's almost like a rite of passage for girls when upon their graduation in south korea to get something done to their faces Mm -hmm. because it's seen from the parents perspective it's seen as like an investment like we're investing Mm -hmm. in in your your future yeah your appeal yeah like you have to look look as in the like a there's a standard of beauty that they have beauty yeah yeah. 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 Um I think there's another there's a documentary that we might have a look later but uh, it's called Escape the Corset. It just came to my mind. Um mm-hmm. I think it's told it's like a showing the movement how um Korean woman is standing up to 
try to um, what's the word eradicate to get rid of yeah the, this kind of beauty standard because it's just so damaging. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's horrifying how mm. pervasive and also ubiquitous it is. Yeah. The easy way in which young girls are just going under the knife to change like their jaw lines. They're getting like literally opening up their jaws and getting like sh- they're getting their jaw bones like chipped away and and grazed off and then reconstructed mm-hmm. all in the name of being like quote unquote accepted mm-hmm. or loved by society yeah it's so sad they're just <sighs> they're just ridiculous levels of standards you have to meet as a mm-hmm. woman in South mm-hmm. Korea and it's so normalized that people just don't challenge it it's expected of you and mm-hmm. if you grow up in that society it's extremely hard to challenge any of this because why would you when you're just going to be ostracized Mm -hmm. like if i lived and grew up in south korea i would probably have had like three or four surgeries done on my face already and be fucked over by men in so many small ways because why wouldn't i like if i needed to get by i would probably get by according to the terms set by you know generations of men before me like Mm -hmm. i can't challenge that as one woman yeah, it's and hard. it's just it's horrifying to really come to terms with that truth, you know. Yeah, and if you, even if you challenge um, at this moment that you'll be called called out, and then saying that you're a main hater, and then there's a yeah, bl- exactly. backlash of so much things from the anti-feminist in Korea. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like in the last six months, they've been. A host of really, really high-profile K-pop suicides. Oh yeah, but just and because that, that really... they spoke out, you know, being, I, I think some of them uh, spoke out about ideas about feminism, and some is just actually just trying to be themselves. You know, um, mm. I remember there was one called. Oh, it was really, it was really trended in like in US as well I think among the US um, Asians there's one called Shirley or Shirley uh, Shirley or Shirley I, I can't re- really remember her her name um, so she was her cy- name. yeah her anglicized name so she was cyber bullied that to that she committed suicide because you know people are judging on because of how she dressed calling her slut um, you know I just don't understand, you know, people have so much time to bully other ones, let alone a celebrity online. Yeah. This is hard to talk about. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, the the whole K-pop industry is extraordinary and ludicrous in its way of, operating and it functions on the oppression of not just women but men as well like young men so it's almost like the military so they churn these people out um they're really teenagers like they grab them when they're 11 or 12 years old and then they put them through a machinery of um activities not activities i wouldn't call them activities training strenuous training yeah. yeah like voice training they um diet strict diets and strict kind of public profiles yeah they're strenuously controlled in the way they project i their think image. they're like celebrity factory or something like that yeah exactly yeah. and so um if you in any way overstep the r- rules or boundaries that they've constructed around you and these people put in like mil- billions of dollars around one artist right and so if you misstep you're like insane in so many ways to fuck up that machinery and the consequence is like like we've said lethal like we've seen sorry like we've seen it's lethal um they face notorious backlash and like i guess a lot of them suffer from mental illness like depression because they've had this they've been insulated in this very oppressive uh regime since they were kids basically so Healthy. Of course, it's they not. Would it's develop. not normal at all. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Of course, they would develop yeah. these awful mental illnesses. Mm. Um, going back to the film, uh, when we were taught, you were talking about the bus com- commute uh, incident. 
uh, I, I listened to another podcast. Uh, it's a Chinese podcast. Uh, he he mentioned the film and he had a good narrative of of it. And two that I heard him talking about, um, he didn't think that the bus incident would happen in Taiwan as much. Like I I don't know how to respond to that. Maybe because he's a man, you know how how would you relate the danger that you that you're facing, possibly on a daily basis? It's just sometimes I see like men would just brush it off, like oh no, it's just it's nothing, you know. Oh, yeah, it never yeah, happened because... to me before. Why should you be yeah. feel? Yeah, it's so annoying. I think that's a pervasive sort of condition that a lot of men suffer from. It's it's that inability to really. Empathize with someone who does not move inside the body that you've moved inside of, and I think because women have had to put up with decades and centuries of um, male-centric stories, we've had like a lifetime of putting ourselves into the shoes of men, usually white men, and so it's very easy for us to empathize with someone who is ludicrously outside of our own experience, like in so many ways, right? And yet, when it comes to a man just trying to step inside the shoes of an ordinary woman, suddenly, um, I mean, a lot of men, it's not like this at all. I know a lot of progressive men, but um, for a lot of men, it's it's actually harder for him because he has not been trained um, by consuming decades of stories where he has had to put himself inside the shoes of a woman. You know, like if you go around, like if you go around and ask all your male friends. When was the last time they saw a movie or read a book that centered a a, a, woman. a woman? You know, like I wonder yeah. what their answer would be. Yeah, it will be. I think I don't think any of them will be able to come up with one. <laughs> it <will be> very <laughs> hard. No, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, there we're we're kind of. Mm, I I guess what I'm saying is that I feel like a lot of the problems that I often talk about. Stems from the fact that we just don't have the centuries worth of precedent, historic precedents in which um, the male is, in which a person who is centered at the forefront of the story is someone who is representative of so many of us who are now historically have been marginalized and are now taking a demanding space and demanding that we are. Uh, we have equal distribution of, you know, our voice and our stories. Uh, yeah. A lot of the problems are stem from that lack of empathy, which comes from just like most movies that make money. This is the core problem. It's a capitalist problem. Yeah. Most movies that make money are movies that center the white male. True. So yeah. how do we reverse that? Yeah. You know, how do we change that when, you know, at the end of the day movie makers and distribution companies they need to fucking make money yeah yeah but then you know we we have to look at works like um this one and also listen to our podcast <laughs> yeah 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 to yeah to get a perspective you know from us you know being female and being marginalized in a lot of industries mm. yeah um Okay, so I want to talk about, continue to talk about uh, the motherhood in the movie. What do you think? Uh, there are two points that um, I've written down on my notes. The first one was almost towards the, like, towards the end of the movie. Uh, it's about she being called the uh, Manchon, I think. Mm. Yeah, Mum Worm, Mum Roach yeah. or Mum Bug, I think. Just something, yeah, awful. Like it's very derogatory yep. to describe a, a mother who's um who looks only or looks after not only sorry i need to rephrase myself who looks after the kids and not working for money um i find i found quite shocking to hear that like why like why would you even have this kind of word came out in in you know from your mouth let alone in public like you came out from your mother's vagina as well. How can you degrade your own, even your own mother? Um, I just found it quite shocking that some this well, term. It's mostly yeah. men. Men, yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. And 
but I feel I feel kind of slightly liberated when Jiyeon, you know, stood up to the men. Whereas before she will probably just clean it up, you know, took her kids out and ignore the situation. But she stood up and confronted the men, you know, call out to him. Yeah, so in the actual movie, it's depicted as um, her waiting in line at a coffee shop, waiting for her coffee. And then she overhears two businessmen behind her. She has a baby next to her and two businessmen behind her are criticizing her and calling her a mom worm. Like a woman who just leeches off a man who works. And she stays at home and looks after the baby. And the 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 businessman was saying that, oh, why why are we in here? It's full of mom and kids. They're so noisy. You know, just basically complains about moms who needed to get out of the house to just have a have a cup of coffee, you know. Um just actually that should, that just shouldn't know. even be, like it's uh, what I see it as is just plain misogyny. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. That's that all it is. A woman can do anything. Um, you don't have to justify. It. She doesn't. She should not have to justify herself at all. Like it's just their comments are just misogynistic. That's all. Yeah. All right. Another point was uh, before there was a scene that showed. Jiyeon and her husband in bed and she was complaining that um, the husband's family giving her pressure to to have a kid or something like that. But the husband is saying that, oh, okay, but let's have a kid then, you know, you won't change anything in our life. I, I found that line absolutely uh, ridiculous. It's like, yeah, having a child won't change anything in our life. You know, it's like, let's go and get a car, you know, or let's just go and buy a loof of bread. It's just, it's, to him, it's just as simple as that. It's, yeah, it changes yeah, nothing for you, yeah. but it changes yeah. everything for the woman. For the woman, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... I do wonder, mm. like I'm just thinking aloud here, but just hearing you say that, I just do wonder if... If I ever had children and then my children had children and if my children's children children had children, I wonder if one day I'll be like 98 and then I'm sitting next to my grand great-grandkids and if my great-grandkid is like Abraham, whether little Abraham will just not think that way, will, not, will be a dude who does not have these really still like fucking crazy sexist views that are so kind of fundamental to the structure of how we've lived for so long. I just, I wonder whether two or three generations will actually change that because it's so... It's very hard. It's so, it's so like, it's like if you think of society as like a building, these ideas are like not even the brick. Like what is brick made of? Concrete. Yeah. Like it's just concrete. It's so invisible and yet really just is at the heart of how the way, how the society is, it's like it's built on these disgusting sexist ideologies like i i really do wonder if they're in a few generations time if if men won't think that way uh, yeah you know i, I do wonder that what we're doing now is trying to break down those creek those bricks oh, yeah so. breaking down those yeah. bricks and rebuild the new ideology you know around yeah. our life which is actually a more equal exactly. one and the one that's not gonna i don't know oppress each other i mean we're talking about patriarchy system it's damaging for both men and men men and women not just because we're standing up with you know speaking out for women but it's also damaging for men yeah yeah yeah, totally it's perhaps just harder for men because it if we had to really if we had to choose who who benefits from the patriarchy then obviously the man it does it does yeah it does it does um, benefit one gender over the other. Yeah. Like if we had to pick. Yeah. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought... Uh, like I agree with yeah. you. It's just... Yeah. Um, I, I thought that something that I read about... Um, uh, it was not a critics, but it's just a journalist that wrote um, after watching watching the film. I think that he gave some pretty good points um 
he said that it like he said something like the societal expectations don't just hinder women's life and progress. Uh, so they undermine the enlightened, open generations of men who want to do better than their fathers did. You know, and whose mother are now ironically reinforcing the inequality they endured into their own children. You know, it it's shown on the movie that um, maybe I don't know when you 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 get tired of fighting the system and then eventually you just gave in and they become the system. You give yourself. in and then you be, yeah you join the yeah. system because it's easier. It's yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, you just feel like yeah, it's easier. It's just so tiring. Um, That's how I've I, always I'm not, I'm, often yeah. felt. Yeah, about... it's like I have to pick my battles. I'm just gonna pick the battles that are not gonna drain me more. Yeah, but then exactly. the continuous, you know degrading you know situations which is never end i think what i foresee in the future is we have to come up with a better way of rewarding people or like finding things that make people feel like they are make people feel that they have accomplished something but not on the basis on of it sort of diminishing someone else's personhood so like a lot of our achievements currently and the ways we reach for things that make us feel powerful, i.e. make us feel good, are ways that are based on patriarchal capitalist um, ideology, you know, like, and, and I think we need to come up with better ways of, and I think that's why I, people who are often on the margins and who are on the sort of, people who don't subscribe to usual ways of rewards like you know like um getting a job at a really lucrative law firm or you know becoming a neurosurgeon um and leading a department all those people have i think um very uh set ways on how to live a very meaningful life and i think this idea of living a meaningful life and feeling like you have influence is based on kind of a set of ideologies that have been long constructed for us and it's just it's so easy to take those steps and it sounds like I'm saying it's easy to be you know a lawyer or a doctor no I'm not saying that at all I guess I'm just saying that they are professions in which it's um, easier for people to respect you, I guess. And that can be definitely an incentive for someone to decide to devote their life in that one career. Um, yeah, and it's just like I think we need to come up with better ways of feeling like come up with come up with a, another way to feel powerful that does not um not at the expense of someone else at the moment power is gained through the expense of so many people who are in many different ways weaker than you or don't have as much resources as you and i just think i don't mm. i don't know any way around this i guess it's still something that i keep thinking about but um it's probably an uh, it's probably a crisis of imagination like we need to imagine better ways of being in the world without harming others i guess i'm saying how, like i guess the question i'm asking is how do we relate to one another on an intimate level between two human beings without using without trying to search for power you know like in every relationship there's always power dynamics and I guess, like, can can we come into a place where we get to know one another like a stranger and not try and fight for power and just try and, like, try and come into engaging, engaging with them without seeking power in some way or other? That's, I guess. And, I, and that's ostensibly what the patriarchy is. It's power-sucking. And who suffers most most from it? It's women. We can give that question to our listeners if they can help us to answer that question. But I also 
my my thought about is that um, perhaps creative arts do people do bring people together without having to sort out the power dynamics between the parties. I mean, um, I mean we watch comedies, you know, um, comedies, writing, music. I do feel like there's less um, creative arts express, you know, how we express through creative arts is really conveying our ideas or our emotions, you know, for example, this movie slash book. Um, it's really taught us, you know, something so ordinary that perhaps you never thought about it, but you bring it out in the way that you see subtle things that you realize that it's not right. Yeah, I have a lot of problems with the creative arts, especially here in Australia, where it's predominantly white, and who gets to, oh, you yes, know, who, who, who gets to yeah. have the platform to distribute their art? It's usually people who are able-bodied and have the resources, i.e., money. So, and the time, yeah, <laughs> meaning money. Like, who has the time, or who is able to not have to work for like on a meager wage? On a shitty, in a just, just in a shitty job. You know, yeah. Um, I guess, yeah. This this movie has made me definitely think about. It's made me reach for more fiction, um, by Korean writers. I know in the last couple of years, that's there's a, been a surge, um, of translations. Um, so in in front of me, I have a couple of books, fiction books by. Um, Bae Sui, um, she's written a book that was published in January called Untold Night and Day. There's one by Young Ha Kim called I Have the Right to, I Have the Right to Destroy My Fa- Myself, which is a great title. And then there's another couple of books I have in front of me called uh, by Kyung Suk Shin. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think the power of a great narrative is to really create a hunger in you for more of these type of narratives, right? So I've definitely gone out and tried to consume more Korean literature because it's like, even though we think, yeah, Korean, South Korea has penetrated the Western society through K-pop. K-pop is very insular. Not insular, I mean, like, it's a very specific niche kind of consumer product. It's very packaged. Yeah, exactly. It's very packaged. So... Yeah. I think reaching for books, books are the most nuanced way to engage in the world, you know, like mm-hmm. sitting down with a novel yeah. or a book, like you just, there is no other medium in which you engage with the world in an ex- in, in the most complex and nuanced and, you know, just like challenging yeah. way. Yeah. When I was, I remember telling one of my white friend I think was last year or early this year anyway um, she was asking about feminism in Asia and this is at the time when uh, 1982 Kim Ji-yeon came out in the movies and I told her about it and I said that oh um, I might looked up and so she, she asked me what's the storyline I told her about told her the storyline the plot she goes oh really Oh, I don't, I don't see Korea as that, you know. She's like, mm. oh, I, I didn't think that there will be so much inequality, you know. The older women <laughs> look so beautiful and they get access to cosmetic surgery. So that's her, that's her image of Korea, you know, like yeah, outside, exactly. outside of Korea. Unless, you know, if this, it did, like, the book doesn't translate it to, into English, or even uh, to you know apparently it's been translated into eighteen uh, languages, yeah. and it it was really yeah. pop it it's really popular in Taiwan, Japan, and a lot of Asian countries yeah. because they can relate to it. The woman there can relate to it exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's perfect that it's been translated to English because definitely there will be a group of you know English speaking females that will feel related to it as well. But also, can I just say that? fuck the relatability kind of like kind of reach like i don't like i don't have like I, i'm not gonna 
insult someone by saying that you can only like a book if you can relate mm-hmm. to it. No, yeah, like, it's, it's something for you to learn. Fruit, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah, like I, I, the first 30 years of my life, I read books where the protagonist was a white male. Like that is further from anything I will ever be. Like I will never be a man and I will never, never be white. And yet I still, you know, I've been able to, I've been able to situate myself and spend years consuming literature where I have put myself into the minds of these white men. Like, why can't, like, if a white man says, oh, I'm not interested in this book about a Taiwanese girl because, like, how am I going to relate to it? I'd be like, fuck you. Like, how, not fuck you, just, like, how unimaginative can you be? Like, wow, that's so intellectually lazy. It's emotionally lazy, you know? Mm-hmm. yeah to you like you're not worth it it's that's like an erasure of my humanity you know it's it's so loud when you step inside a person's bookshelf yeah. sorry yeah. um bedroom uh-huh. or lounge room and you look at their bookshelf you literally can see <laughs> like from the assessment of what they have yeah. on their bookshelf the kind of books they read you can tell what uh... kind of a person they are if they're imaginative if they're willing to engage with the world outside of their own subject position. On that note, it's so important that we engage with these these voices that hopefully in a couple of years will just be the norm, you know? It won't be such a sensation that women are telling their stories yeah. in this way. I think it will be like a chain reaction. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Let's keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> okay, well, it was so nice to chat to you. Well. Make sure you review us on Apple um, Podcasts and uh, we will see you next week. Eat well and be safe.